What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. We are not live on Millions tonight, and that is 100% my fault. Um, when we shifted the recording today to today, um, I did not adjust the settings there. So that's my bad. That's on me. Um, I'll take I'll take a whole whole lot of responsibility on that one. But we are still excited to bring you tonight's episode. Mm, sorry about that. Uh, decided to choke on air for a second. But before we get to the rest of the show, we want to remind you guys about the insane promotion going on right now through BetUS. If you go to any of the links that we have posted, you will get a 125% bonus and 30 risk-free bets. Keep making some money with us today because we are both well into the black. And if you listen to both of us, I mean, you'd, you'd have enough money to uh, to come to some games and hang out with me, you know? Yeah. Um, so on tonight's episode, we are getting into some UAB Georgia talk along with some other noteworthy week. Four. Are we already in week five? No, week no, it's, no it's four. I mis- okay. I mistyped that. I was I'm, about- I'm, I'm so sorry that that don't want to wish the season away already. I you were about to catch me crying on air at week five already, <laughs> but week four, this is week four that we're in. Um, but we actually have a uh, a really cool guest on to talk about the biggest game of the week. Um, Cody Goodwin is gonna join us to uh to talk some Alabama with us. He covers Alabama for 247 and CBS Sports. But before we get into that, what are you drinking? I just have some water. It's been a it's been a long day. We were recording a little bit later than we when we than we what we would typically uh, do because my uh, son's football practice got out late. So uh, just water. Um, and I think we have another illness going around the house too. So I'm trying to oh no rehydrate. I think well daycare that uh, my daughter is at. She's eight months old. Um, apparently has a influx of a pink eye and then when she got home today her eye was like a lot more watery so i may be staying home tomorrow we'll see that's all yeah i had you know what already a tangent kind of i though at the last school i worked at there was three consecutive years where i got pink eye same eye all that my fault for rubbing my eyes all the time or someone farting in my face when i'm sleeping but is what it is what it is. Uh how about you? God, dude, you're talking people into being teachers left and right here. I you know what? I it's my and it's also my fault. I'm I'm high fiving kids, shaking their hands, show them how to do a firm handshake, try to break their, you know, their knuckles and stuff like that. And then you know, wipe <laughs> my eyes. And then, you know, I, I look like uh what Martin in that scene from you know his show where he's all swollen from the uh, boxing match that he was in. So I'm um I'm actually drinking a little bit tonight for the first time in a couple weeks. Um, put a little Evan Williams hunter proof in, uh, in some diet Coke that I got. So Hell just, yeah. just a little bit, not, not planning on getting too lit tonight. Um, may go surf in the morning, which means mm-hmm. I will have to be up at six ish. So don't want to, don't want to be too hammered. You know how, I mean? how was the, uh, the swell, uh, last week when you went, I know we oh, had a dude, it, storm. The, it, because the storm was north of us, it um, because the storm was north, it was blowing wind from the wrong direction. So oh. the waves were choppy. I mean, 
I, don't be wrong. I sat out there for like 20 or 30 minutes and there was probably 10, 15 people out there with me and it like nobody got a wave. Aww. The wind was killing the storm swell. It, it kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whack. Yeah, but yeah, I, I did get to um, do something that I never got to do in Atlanta. And that is sit on a surfboard with 80 degree weather and uh, and watch the sunrise over the ocean. So could be worse. You don't want to go on like Lake Lanier and risk it and do that. Oh, dude, the demons will pull me into the bottom of Lake Lanier mm-hmm. if I try and get on a surfboard and that thing. It's funny every time that uh that someone dies in Lake Lanier, I get like two or three texts from like family that are like out of town. They even know about Lake Lanier. It's like, oh, you know, don't go to Lake Lanier. I'm like, wasn't planning on it. No, never. No. Even when we live 20, 30 minutes away from it, never went, never will. I actually went to Lake Lanier quite a bit growing up. Um, I had family mm. that worked there, so I used to get into the water park for free. Oh, shit. So I used to spend at least like one day a week every summer at Lake Lanier Water Park. Like the, the was it Margaritaville at that point? R.I.P. Yeah, it wasn't Margaritaville at oh. then, but um, where it's at. Yeah, I used to go literally once, twice a week for free. Damn. All like for five or six years. Um mm. But when you're in a water park, you don't really give shit about a lake. Yeah, that's fair. We used to, when we lived up that way, we had, for like four or five years, we had season passes to Six Flags. And we, I mean, we live right by uh, Whitewater over there in Marietta. I mean, and we, we got the food deal and all that. So basically, yeah. like all summer, we'd go three or four days a week and like get all our meals there. It's all paid for. It was not the healthiest thing to do, but it saved us a crap ton of money, especially with all the, you know, the kids and stuff. So, yeah. There's a reason why they made it even more expensive because people you know, like us took advantage. You know what I would really like to be drinking right now? I have an idea. It is the new, brand new from ASW Hunker Vodka. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the picture. I just popped it up in between us here. Brand new, super cool what they got going on. They've actually partnered with the Classic City Collective. This is the official NIL vodka of the University of Georgia. Pictures are awesome. And um, something that might even be cooler is that we are doing a giveaway once again with ASW. We are giving away a 1.75 liter handle of Hunker Vodka this month. I think what we're going to do, not set in stone yet, check our social media, but we're going to put out a post, like the post, comment with one friend in the post, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and we'll be giving it away. A handle. I was saying that. Handle. Handle. And carry it with you easily. The alcoholic on the go. No, I'm... I, if you know me outside of the show, you know I'm not a big vodka guy. I will be getting some of this. Just for the first, bottles. Dope. But first, the bottle's awesome. But yeah. second, I've had, you know, I've had a little bit of ASW's other clear liquor. Um, they have phenomenal gin. I just everything they put out is top quality. As we talked about all last season, it was started by some alumni from the University of Georgia diehard football fans it is currently run by diehard dog fans if you are in the market for any type of liquor i mean they make it can't be scotch because it's made in america 
but they make scotch type whiskey. They make Irish type whiskey. They make phenomenal bourbon and American whiskey, phenomenal rye, phenomenal gin. And now they've got some hunker vodka. So highly, highly, highly recommend you guys go out and get yourself some ASW anything today. But if you don't go out and get something today, follow what we're telling you to do in this post and you could potentially win yourself a handle handle of hunker vodka do it it's coming out soon so be on the lookout for that across the the, uh the socials so you want if you want some liquor make sure it's made by some dogs not some cats want some dogs word i don't i don't really know how to respond to that (laughs) word was kind of awkward i don't know what i'm doing I just had a very, I had a Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands moment, but it was I don't know what to do with my words. Um, I don't know. We've been saying it a lot at uh with the uh, the football team at school. So we want some dogs? We don't know. We got a team full of cats. We want some dogs. <laughs> um, so. I will apologize if you can hear Nemo barking in the background. Um, he is being very loud. I'm not sure if you can, but I can't for what it's worth. Okay. I you know, Nemo, he's our golden lab mix, and he is too smart to be a dog. Um, so whenever there's something going on that he doesn't like, he voluntarily decides to be an asshole. It's uh, it's actually great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they say, like, how you are as a kid comes back to you when you're an adult, when you have kids. I feel like I got it with the dogs. I mean, we're... Yeah, I can I can attest to that absolutely 100%. Oh. Without All a right. doubt. Ain't no way around it. All right, while we're waiting for Cody to join us here, there this is the week that has the most ranked matchups throughout the throughout the season so far, right? Mm-hmm. What game are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, okay, so we're we're gonna talk about it a little bit later, but Ohio State Notre Dame in the North's equivalent of I wish a meteor would hit it and just wipe everybody out. But um Sam Hartman is the only reason that I don't yeah. wish that. Mm-hmm. Sam Hartman, yeah. he he got that dog in him. They he, took out a rib and put a dog there. <laughs> he it's gonna be good i'm 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 looking forward to it um it's but it's in south bend it's gonna be at night notre dame's wearing those god-awful green uh uniforms um i'm just i'm i'm really my biggest thing is i'm just ready for ohio state to be exposed and like we'll get it more into it later on but i'm ready i'm ready for it so i think the game i'm looking forward to the most is florida state at clemson mm-hmm and I say that, um, I mean, if you guys know me outside of the show, you know that Thursdays I play disc golf with a local group of guys. Um, somehow, some way, about half of them are Clemson fans. Ew. Um, they're all great people. So, mm-hmm. you know, is what it yeah. is. I can't, I, I can't lie. Most of the, I, I think every single Clemson fan I know is awesome. So I take that back. I know, I know a couple just ridiculous ones, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking to them today and they were all just like, man, I don't even know why Florida State's favored in this game. Clemson's going to run away with it. Have you ever, have you ever seen wow. somebody win in Death Valley? It's like, uh, 
Yeah, I saw a mediocre South Carolina team do it 10 what? months ago. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, didn't Pitt do it, like an unranked Pitt team do it a while back too? Um, yes, an unranked okay. Pitt team did it. Um, there was another unranked team that did it a couple years before that, and I don't remember who it was. Hmm. But beside the point, it's just, you know, like a lot of – I feel like a lot of people are still living in the fantasy land that Dabo is a top three coach in the country. Um and, you know, for what it's worth, if you – if Clemson wins, I will come on the show Sunday night and apologize to Dabo Sweeney. Mm. I'll, I'll do yeah, it. Be, Hold yeah, me to be, it. It'll be tough. I think I saw a stat earlier that uh, I think Clay, uh, Kate Klubnik, uh he uh, – I think he I think he faced pressure on what it was at least 40% of all his dropbacks and uh Florida State gets after it as well so I ooh, I think it could two be bad. Pick sixes in three games. Mhm. It could be uh, bad. It, yeah. It's one of those games where it is either like a 1 to 3 point game or an absolute blowout. Mhm. And I don't really think there's an in between. Like I don't think this is a one touchdown two possession I I just, you know, I feel like it's either close or just an absolute demolition derby. Yeah. I'm but, hoping so. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this weekend. I think this weekend's going to be awesome. And again, we'll get into all that, but. Have you, um, so have you checked with Cody to see if he's still good? Um, Or made sure he got the email? Let me double check. I haven't gotten any, uh, any other DMs from him since we. Okay. Since we started, let me here. Let me let me check real quick and see if uh, I can grab my phone. But I have my email up that has the alerts on it. So give me one second. Oh, actually, no. I, oh, yeah. Let me check. Hold on. All right, we're gonna pause, guys. All right. So now we have Cody Goodwin, and I pronounced that correct, right? You got it. Okay. We, with how much we talk trash about CBS, not pronounce anybody's names correct, we do our best to uh, to pronounce things correctly. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys having me on. Always down to uh, talk college football, especially this season. It's shaping up to be a weird one. Yes. For sure. Yeah, it's absolutely wild so far. Um, so, Cody, you uh, cover Alabama for 247 and CBS Sports, correct? Yes, sir. So how did you get into that? Um, dumb luck. So I, I originally, so I'm originally from Kansas city, um, born and raised in the Midwest, like big 10, big 12 country, my entire life, um, actually went to school at the university of Iowa. Um, they have a world-class English program. So I knew that when I wanted to get into sports journalism, I had to learn how to write. And so I took that route as opposed to like a journalism route. Um, ended up sticking around the state of Iowa for about a decade, went to school there, um, ended up working for the Des Moines Register, um, where I covered wrestling up until this past year. Um, and just kind of, you know, who you know, not what you know, linked me up with the job at Bama 247. Um, I'm sure you guys are pretty familiar with Bama Online. That was 247's mm -hmm. Alabama website for a long time. They moved over to On3. 
So they kind of built this brand new Alabama team. And I was, uh, I guess I nailed the interview because here we are. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and get into uh, some some of the negative stuff for us. I'd like to get that out of the way to uh, to start them and get into the more positive stuff. So first off, why was Jalen Milrow benched for the USF game in favor of Buckner and then eventually Ty Simpson coming in to uh, quote unquote save the day? So I'm sure you guys are pretty well aware, um, you know, quarter the three man quarterback battle throughout, you know, the summer and then fall camp. Right. Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow. Um, from what we've been able to glean over the last week or so, Saban promised all of them an equal opportunity to play at some point this season. So when are you going to basically hash out a quarterback battle? Probably during the cupcake games, right? Because Alabama just doesn't lose to food. So Milrow gets the start just based on experience against Middle Tennessee. Um, ends up scoring 42 points. You know, what's that? Six touchdowns over the course of eight drives, I think, was the math on there. Um, led 28-0 at half. Scored two more in the third quarter. Okay, we've seen enough of Jalen Milrow. Buckner and Simpson both played two drives each in that game. Just not really a ton to kind of, you know, okay, how do these guys operate the offense? Mm -hmm. um, so you go to the Texas game. Um, Milrow, again, gets the start because of the performance against Middle Tennessee. Plays fine, mostly. Obviously, the two costly interceptions were, were costly, but, you know, he makes a handful of plays with his legs and some deep passes. And, I mean, hey, you know, the margin for error was thin, but Alabama had a 16-13 lead late in the third quarter. Obviously, we all know what happens. Um, mm -hmm. Texas scores second pick. Texas scores again. That more or less iced it. Um, you know, okay, so then you go to South Florida. I guess some at some point last week before the South Florida game, Saban tells Milrow, hey, we are going to play Buckner and Simpson. We want to get these guys a fair opportunity to show what they can do. Um, apparently, Milrow did not react the best way. I don't know exactly what was said or, or how specifically he reacted, but Saban and the staff did not like it. So they basically said, all right, you're benched. Um, if you want to be the leader of this team, we got to see a little bit more out of you. So that leads to last week's game, which was the clunker of all clunkers, at least by Alabama standards. Um, Milroe does not play, but we see him lead the team out of the tunnel, lead them through pregame stretching. Um, he's very visibly excited as Simpson kind of figures some things out in the second half of that game. Alabama ultimately wins 17-3, um, which brings us to Monday where Saban says Milroe's our guy moving forward. He liked what he saw out of that. That's kind of, basically what happened you know just kind of off the dome the recap um i don't know if there's any lingering questions after that but that's kind of basically what we were able to piece together no i mean i think that actually answers our next question um which was just going to be why did milrow not get put in when the game was close but i, I mean it, it makes sense yeah. with how mm -hmm. you explained it mm -hmm. yeah he effectively was put in timeout um that's <laughs> that's the that's the short version mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was out there. I think it was with uh, Ty Simpson. There was a video afterward. I mean, he was like jumping up and down, and they were like, I mean, yeah, like you talked about, he was you know super excited for uh, you know the successes that that he had out there. So I mean, that was good to see because I mean, just kind of you know as a casual observer, I didn't we didn't hear anything about the uh, practice stuff with Milrose, so that was was really confusing. I, so um, yeah, it definitely makes sense that he's going to be the starter going forward from everything that we've seen so far. 
Yeah. I mean, he's the most productive quarterback. Um, you know, I've alternated between unproductive and fruitless when it comes to Tyler Buckner's five drives. I mean, it was just bad, right? He was skipping passes. Um, wasn't a whole lot going in, in the run game. He was able to scramble a little bit because um, Ty Simpson took all the sacks. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Ty Simpson looked a little bit better. You know, the more I rewatch the game, the more I'm like, man, if Alabama's offensive line had been playing better, I could see them maybe turning to him for the rest of the season. But given the mm-hmm. offensive line struggles and given, you know, how dangerous Milrow is with his feet, uh, makes a lot of sense to have a guy like that back there in case plays break down. He's able to probably make something out of nothing a little bit more um, than Ty Simpson is. So um, that leads us into week four. Yep. So going into a little bit of offseason stuff here, um, I mean, there was a picture of Nick Saban smiling as he walked away from the podium. There were the J.C. Latham quotes from SEC media days. There was all the talk about Alabama reverting to the joyless murder ball of the uh, Derrick Henry era. How do you think um, how do you think the team feels about how the season's gone so far? There's definitely some frustration, right? Like the, you know, a lot of it, you know, we've been writing about the offensive line each of the last two weeks because, you know, 12 sacks allowed through the first three weeks, 10 combined over the last two weeks. Like it just hasn't been good. Um, you know, and a lot of that's us kind of holding them accountable, right? Because like you mentioned, J.C. Latham was very adamant about, you know, the offensive line playing better, but really the team as a whole playing better. Um, you know, I think it was Tyler Booker as well through fall camp was like, you know, we want to be physically dominant, make people quit. Um, they haven't really been doing that at all. Um, and I'm sure you guys know that when it comes to offense at any level of football, if the offensive line's not in a good spot, the whole operation goes south. Right. And especially so at the collegiate level. And I think we saw a lot of that in tech, but you know, in the Texas game, and South Florida was able to exploit a lot of stuff with their speed and just constantly bringing pressure in that game as well. So, you know, that that's kind of where it starts, where a lot of the frustration starts, you know, because I, you know, they did what they were supposed to do against Middle Tennessee. Um, I think that, te- you know, the Texas loss is frustrating because it's at home. Um, it's against a team that you beat the year before. Um, it makes the already small margin for error even slimmer for the rest of the season, right? Because no two loss team has ever made the college football playoffs. So now you're staring down, you know, what basically needs to be a perfect run through the SEC. And how often does that happen, right? Especially when, you know, you lose Bryce Young, you lose a lot of guys out of the front seven. So there's just, there's, they're inexperienced at certain spots. So, you know, you can tell there's a little bit of frustration with how they've started, um, you can tell there's a little bit of, you know, not so much backs against the wall, but I think they understand that there's a lot of pressure on them going forward, especially this coming weekend, right? Because Ole Miss, you know, that's Lane Kiffin coming back to Tuscaloosa. That's Pete Golding coming back to Tuscaloosa, probably licking his chops after seeing what South Florida did last week. Um, Ole Miss's offense, you know, they don't have all their weapons fully healthy yet, and still they're hanging 50 points a game on guys. Um, mm-hmm. They went on the road at a really good two-lane team and, and you know, put damn near 40 points on them. So um, it's a good team that's coming to Tuscaloosa, right? And I think they they understand that, you know, one, they haven't played well, but two, you know, if there's a week to figure some things out and put their best performance out there, now's, now's the time. You know, if they put out a good performance against Ole Miss, I think that'll quiet a lot of the noise that's kind of surrounding the program right now. Yeah, that was going to be my my next question is what what's the overall like headspace or vibe that the uh, fan base is in right now? Because obviously Alabama's not lo- not used to losing an out of conference game, especially season. So where where are they at um, at this point in the year? 
Well, the sky fell after the Texas loss naturally. Um, mm. And I, and I don't know that we were able to pick up the pieces in enough time before the South Florida game. So now it's just, you know, fire this person, fire that person. We suck, put the true freshman in at quarterback. Let's just empty the bench. You, you know, typical, like you said, like this is a fan base that's not used to losing. They're not used to piss poor performances. And mm. we've gotten both of those in back-to-back weeks. So they're, you know, a little on edge. I think the more rational fans kind of understand that, you know, hey, you know, one, it's not always going to be an A-plus performance every time out. Two, I think a lot of them have come around to the idea that that Texas team's pretty good. Um, good enough that, you know, they might be able to navigate all the Big 12 landmines and probably get to the college football playoff this year if they continue to put out an A performance in the games that they need to. Um you know, but I, you know, I think they understand that like, Hey, like the, the, this team, because they don't have like a Bryce young and they don't have a Will Anderson on the other side of the ball. Um, the ceiling is a little bit lower, but also like because of some of the other miscues that they've seen through the first few weeks, the floor is a lot lower too. So I think, you know, they kind of understand that like, Hey, like they need to clean a lot of things up and a lot of things need to go their way in certain games. If they want to get to where they want to go, we're not, I'm not outright just saying they won't win it or do anything of significance this season. Cause I think it's still too early to tell, but mm. based on what we've seen so far, you know, the version of Alabama that we've seen thus far, probably time to adjust your expectations on where you think they might go until they show you otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've got a question that wasn't necessarily in the outline, but it's a, it's an idea that I've been kind of kicking around in my head for uh, for a couple of weeks. What is your thought about this season kind of potentially being the culmination of what the transfer portal has made possible? Because a lot of those guys that did big things for both Texas and USF last week were transfer guys. I mean, Colorado, Ole Miss, LSU. I mean, these teams have essentially built their uh, their best players from the transfer portal. What do you think about that? I agree. I think you you look across college football. Like, I don't know that this is solely an SEC thing. And you you know you made examples with Colorado, USF. You could look at Florida State. That's a team that's yeah. done really really yeah. well in the transfer portal. Um, you know, I, I the transfer portal to me is kind of you know, almost leveled the playing field, right? Like you look at, you know, look at the SEC, for example, like not a ton of star power at quarterback when compared to say the Pac-12. And a lot of those Pac-12 quarterbacks got there through the portal. Um, You know, so that's just one example. Um, You know, 247 Sports, what we do, um, I shouldn't say we, the, the, the recruiting experts at 247 Sports, they, they put together a team talent composite ranking um, where they basically, you know, look at everybody's roster, compile how many three, four, and five-star athletes there are, and it spits out a number that tells you, in theory, how talented your team is. And it's a pretty good indicator on which teams are going to be good in a given year because I think in the playoff era, only like two, only four teams outside of the top twenty of the two, four, seven team composite has made the playoff. Right, so like it's a pretty good indicator. Um, mm-hmm. This year, there's there's more parity in the top twenty-five than there's been in any year that they've done this team talent composite, like this, just based on sheer numbers of where all these guys landed, it's not a perfect science, right? Because it only takes into account their high school, you know, recruiting ranking. So it doesn't take into account development or like the two stars that turned into superstars. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, but like that's, I mean, that kind of shows you that there is a lot more parity across the board. There's a lot more talent spread out across all these other teams, right? I mean, look at, you know, Notre Dame and, and Ohio State. Ohio State's a team that routinely recruits really, really well. Um, Notre Dame also recruits really well, but they've also benefited from the transfer portal, right? Look at quarterback Sam Hartman. Um, you know, I mentioned Florida State, right? They're about to play uh, Clemson. And for whatever reason, Dabo's like, I'm not doing the portal. I think he might after this week, right? Because I think we're yeah. all in agreement that Florida State's a pretty good team. Um, you know, and then obviously you mentioned Colorado, right? I don't think anybody expected them to be 3-0 and after 50-plus transfers. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Alabama, I th- they had three guys off last year's roster transfer to TCU. Um, and they're all, you know, getting pretty significant playing time. I think that's what the transfer portal has ultimately, you know, it, it leveled the playing field because it's now, you know, coaches can go into the portal and say, Hey, like come, you can come over here and play right now, as opposed to waiting your turn at like an Alabama or an LSU or something like that. Um, you know, but then it also allows, you know, the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Florida States, the Georgias to kind of, you know, fill gaps in between recruiting cycles, um, you know, Texas as well. So, yeah, I think, I think you're onto something, which is why I, you know, I'm looking at kind of the first few weeks of this college football season. I'm like, yeah, like one, there's a lot more talent across the board too. Um, that could make, all sorts of weirdness happen, you know, week to week. You know, I think look back at last week, right? Not the greatest slate of games on paper. And then the teams played and it was like, holy cow, this is amazing, right? Colorado over Colorado State at two in the morning. Um, You know, there was Alabama, USF, South Carolina was up 14-3 on Georgia. You know, they've got a transfer quarterback. Like there's, there was just so much that goes on. Um, And I think the transfer portal and, you know, NIL may be part of that as well. Has had something to do with just the way that the talent is dispersed now across the country. All right. So, what uh, what aspect of the uh, the tide looked better than what you all expected so far of this season? Um, I'm encouraged by the receivers. Um, you know, and they've got you know they've got a stable of receivers. Like there's a there's there's quite a bit of talent in that room when you look at Jermaine Burton. You look at Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice has done really well in spots. Um, Malik Benson, the junior college transfer. Um, one of the big issues last season was drops. Um, believe the receivers through three games collectively one drop from the receiving core. Um, they've had a few, you know, I think as a team, Alabama's got like five drops this season, but two of them are on the running backs. Two more of them are on the tight ends. So the receivers as a whole, you know, thumbs up through three games so far. Um, and then I think, maybe still a little too early to tell, but I like a little bit of what I'm seeing from the defensive line. That was my biggest worry coming into the season, you know, like just the lack of depth on the D line, um, you know, just cause they got a lot of names, but we just don't know if those names can play right. Like they had really good starters, like probably four guys, I think through the preseason, you know, now we're starting to see, okay, you know, James Smith is a true freshman. He looks like he's number five. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple other guys that are starting to emerge a little bit as that sixth, seventh guy. They might, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to have the full defensive line rotation ready by this week, um, you know, but I think down the line we're starting to see kind of what that rotation might look like, um, which is good because that's, you know, the way Alabama's played defense. You need a pretty deep defensive line rotation. So, I you know, early returns there are pretty strong as well. So that's – I'll give you those two answers. Receivers because of the lack of drops and then also D-line just you can see where the depth is maybe going to come from. All right, so I think we're ready to get into the game itself. And um, Mike constructed this beautiful next question. So I'm actually going to submit this one over to him. 
Mike, you're muted. This is like the third time I've done it today <laughs> after never doing it before. All right. Um, so uh, Alabama host, former assistant Lane Kiffin in the Ole Miss Rebel Bear Sharks. Uh, Bama, at the time I wrote this, is a seven-point favorite. I don't think that's changed uh, yet. Kickoff, 3.30 on CBS. So first question with that. Uh, Pete Golding makes his triumphant return to Tuscaloosa as Ole Miss defensive coordinator. The uh, Ole Miss defense ranks 39th in FBS with uh, 16.7 points per game or points allowed per game. Uh, how do you expect Alabama to attack his defense? Um, you know, I mean, in a perfect world, they'll they'll run the ball, right? And they'll run it effectively and they'll run it, you know, 60-40 probably. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that exactly, but I know that that's what Saban wants to do. He wants to run the ball effectively. He wants to have a strong play-action pass game, um, you know, and then drop back and throw deep when they need to. With Milrow back in the mix, um, I'd like to see them mix in some design quarterback runs. He's been really effective there through this season. Um, A lot of it has really been on scrambles when the play breaks down and he just kind of tucks the ball and goes because he's just he's going to be the fastest dude on the field 95% of the games he plays in. Um, But when it comes to also designed runs, he's been very effective there as well. I think, you know, he's got a handful of explosive run plays, which, you know, 10 plus yards down the field when the play call is actually a designed run so i i'd like to see a little bit more of that um you know i i don't I, they're probably going to try and establish the run early that's just kind of been the mo through the first couple of games um you know they've started to add a few more small wrinkles here and there um you know like they've mixed in some some 21 personnel right two running backs on the field so that make forces the defense to make a decision do we you know roy dell or chase mcclellan Um, you know, they've done a lot of 12 personnel too, especially last week against South Florida, just kind of bringing in bigger bodies with two tight ends so that they can run the ball a little bit more effectively. I think they'll probably try to lean on that a little bit more too. So, you know, I, it's, it's typical Alabama and especially in a weird year like this, um, Nick Saban feels like he's got the personnel that they want to try and harken back to those, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 teams, right. Where they pound the rock and, you know, don't ask too much of the quarterback, but, you know, given Milrow's skill set, I think they'd like to try and mix him into that game plan a little bit, but expect a heavy dose of them trying to run the ball. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to have Milrow throw it deep too, because he's been really good with the deep ball through the first few games of the season. Yeah, really. He's like, he's pretty much boomer bust. It's, you know, he, he struggles with that short to intermediate stuff. And then, you know, he'll struggle with that and then hit a 40, 50 yard bomb. Like, no, like no problem. It's, it's been, I'm sure for, again, Bama fans, it's maddening to see, but, you know, is what it is at this point. Home runs and strikeouts. That's that's kind of – that's what they were against Texas for sure, and they just – they struck out a few too many times. But, um, you know, Ole Miss is not quite Texas. At least the defensive front is probably not going to be as big and as nasty as Texas, and I wonder if – you know, I wonder how Alabama will try to exploit that a little bit. I'm sure they'll try and stick to their base identity as much as possible, but – um, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens because I know Pete likes to put pressure on the opposing offenses. And, you know, I'm sure he watched South Florida use all sorts of speed and, you know, pre-snap looks, this, that, and the next that confused Alabama's offensive line. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him try a bunch of that stuff too. And you did our segue for us because our next question is about Pete Golding making his return to Tuscaloosa as the Ole Miss D.C. Um, the Ole Miss defense actually ranks 39th in oh, – we, uh, we, we did that one. Oh, oh, good look. Did I zone out? Sorry, guys. I have a lot of head injuries. Um, no, but that, I mean, that one other question about Pete Golding, though. Do you think Bama fans are too hard on him? Uh, yes. 
Um, okay. you know, I was also, you know, this is, this, I'm, I'm only five months onto the beat. Right. So I wasn't oh, okay. here for the previous five years. So I can couch it with that, but you know, like you look at the stats from the last few years and it's like, you know, I mean, Alabama was, you know, second, third in total defense, second, third in points allowed. Like they were a team that routinely put pressure on opposing offenses. Like they, they were not bad by any means, but you know, you, look at the fan base and you understand what fan base we're talking about. And it's like, okay, yeah, Alabama's not used to second, third, or fourth. They're used to being first. They're used to having the best defense. They're used to leading the SEC in this, that, and the next. And, you know, because Pete Golding didn't do that. And, you know, I think I, the other thing too, you look at, you know, the two games they lost last year, for example, LSU and Tennessee, right. They, you know, I, the, the Tennessee game, you know, I, it was kind of weird watching the secondary get beat, regularly in that game over and over by the same thing, right? Like it was a lot of pre-snap motion into a stack alignment and that really kind of confused the secondary or the corner and the safety. And, you know, they weren't sure who they were supposed to cover and that just created all sorts of issues and Jalen Hyatt's too fast. And if you're not able to solve those issues after the snap quickly, Hyatt's down the field gone, right? Um, You know, similar thing with LSU. That one was a little bit more rock fighty, but um you know, the fact that they just, you know, they got beat in that game. They felt like they had to blame somebody and they allowed, what, 34 points or whatever it was. So let's blame Pete. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that he got a fair shake. I thought he did a good job just based on the numbers. Um, that said, I also wasn't here all five years of it. So I, I that's one man's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. That was one of the reasons why I was so high on Ole Miss going into the season was Pete Golden because I like like you said like I thought Alabama fans were were way too hard on him. Yeah, he wasn't Kirby Smart necessarily, um, but they weren't bad like you said. Like they weren't first necessarily, but like you know top five, top ten defense like, isn't you know nothing to you know sneeze at. So I thought that was a huge get for them, and obviously he's going to have his work cut out for him on uh, on Saturday. So we'll, we'll see how big of a get that really is. I do apologize, Cody. I I really I I promise you I do have a lot of head injuries and don't always uh hold my concentration well. Um so the Ole Miss offense ranks fourth in FBS, averaging 52.7 points per game. Jackson Dart has been playing really well, um, albeit against non-SEC competition and kind of the opposite of what he did down the stretch last season. Averaging over 300 yards passing per game and is also the team's leading rusher with 213 yards with Quinshawn Judkins struggling so far into the season, which is a huge surprise, especially for me, because he was my first round pick in our college draft. <laughs> um, so what does Nick Saban and Kevin Steele or allegedly Tavares Robinson, who has been allegedly calling plays, need to do to avoid a shut shootout with uh Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I love that you brought up the uh <laughs> that was Lane being Lane, man. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's asserting that Travaris Robinson's calling the plays. I think he's he's more relaying the play the plays because right Kevin Steele's calling the game from the booth and uh Robinson's down on the field. So it's just it's a communication thing. Mm-hmm. Um but that's still funny. Um no, what do they have to do? I, th- you know, I, Alabama's defense predicated on getting pressure on the quarterback, right? Um, so you got to get pressure on him, but you got to be pretty smart about it, right? Because I think what he showed, Jackson Dark showed in the Georgia Tech game, right? He rushed for over 100 yards that game. Um, he can be a dual threat if you need him to be a dual threat. And that's pretty important for Ole Miss, right? Because like you mentioned, Quinshaw Junkins, um, who's an Alabama native, by the way, 
uh, from Pike Road, which is more closer to Auburn, but Alabama did not offer him in high school. So that's an interesting, another interesting subplot. Um, but he's been hurt, right? So, you know, where is, you know, I, Ole Miss has another running back, Ulysses Bentley. Um, he's, you know, he's effective, right? He's, I mean, he's another guy that Lane will find ways to, you know, get him favorable matchups. But, you know, if Judkins is, still isn't 100% by Saturday, um, a lot of the offense is going to flow through Jackson Dart, and he showed that he can be a dual-threat guy if you need him to. So what makes that matchup particularly interesting to me is, like, obviously you want to get pressure on Jackson Dart, but um, if you're a little too aggressive, what Alabama showed against South Florida is that if you are a little bit too aggressive, mobile quarterbacks can take advantage of that, right? Uh, by, by, say it again. Oh no, sorry. We just had a we just had an audio mix up and uh, something started playing in the background. Oh, I got you. Um, anyway, yeah, Jackson Dart being dual threat. One thing that Alabama that I saw from Alabama's defense against South Florida, uh, Byron Brown, their freshman quarterback, he was able to escape the pocket a few times and get some you know pretty long yard long scrambles downfield. Right, he was able to escape, find some rushing lanes, and and take off downfield. If Alabama's not careful, Jackson Dart can do that as well. That could extend some drives for Ole Miss. Um, you know, that could be another element of the game that maybe Lane Kiffin tries to scheme into the offensive game plan, especially if, you know, I the one that, you know, Alabama has been pretty good at, at containing the run. They held Texas to 105 yards. They held Middle Tennessee State to like 80 or something like that. Um, you know, and they would have held South Florida to significantly less than that. But Byron Brown was able to escape the pocket a few times on those pressures and, and, you know, race downfield. I think he had, you know, four or five pretty explosive runs. So Alabama's got to be careful of that. So it's, you know, what's the right mix of contain and pass rush? Cause you want to disrupt Jackson darts timing. You want to disrupt his rhythm. You obviously want to get him on the ground, but if you're a little too aggressive, he can slip out of the pocket and potentially, um, you know, race downfields for some crucial rushing yards. So, That'll be kind of the, that's that's an interesting challenge that I know I'm going to be keeping an eye on Alabama's front seven against you know Jackson Dart's playmaking ability, um, you know, and that could be that could go a long way in deciding how this game goes because if you're able to disrupt him a little bit and put him on the ground, um, that's going to throw a wrench into a lot of what Ole Miss is trying to do. If he's able to escape and get those you know rushing yards downfield, extend plays, extend drives, um, it could be a long day for Alabama because that Ole Miss offense is dangerous even without all of their weapons fully healthy. All right, so um, kind of last uh, game-related question. So besides uh, Jalen Milrow, what other Bama players have to step up in this game to avoid going uh, having the Tide go 2-2 two and two to start the season? Yeah, well, let's stay right there in Alabama's front seven. I think this could be a pretty big uh, Deontay Lawson game. Uh, middle linebacker, sophomore, same age as Milrow. They came in in the same recruiting class. He's been very good through the first few weeks. Um, leads the team in tackles. Um you know, he plays really fast. He's kind of, you know, the, the prototypical middle linebacker that Saban seeks for his defenses. He's the guy that's going to call, um, you know, everything for the front seven, um, which is going to be crucial against Ole Miss, right? I mean, he's going to be in charge of, you know, what does a pass rush or pass contain look like? He's probably going to be the guy that's going to have to lay the hits on Jackson Dart so that he doesn't, you know, escape the pocket and, and you know, go rush for those yards that will extend plays and drives. So, um, could be a pretty big Deontay Lawson game. Obviously, he's going to be charged with stopping the run if Judkins is good to go, um, Judkins or Bentley. Um, but, yeah, I think defensively, um, looking for a big Deontay Lawson game. At the same time in the secondary, um, one thing that uh, Steve Sarkeesian was able to exploit when Texas beat um, Alabama was uh, true freshman safety Caleb Downs. Um, you know, he was able to kind of, especially late third, fourth quarter, he was able to kind of get a lot of matchups there with some pre-snap motion, 
um, you know, that forced Caleb Downs to make a few decisions and he bet on Downs making the wrong decision, which is what led to a lot of those long pass plays to, um, you know, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Lane Kiffin, um, you know, try to get his receivers into favorable matchups as well and try to put, you know, Caleb Downs into a tricky situation too. So, um, you know, I, I would expect if Alabama is going to win this game defensively, they're going to need a big game from Deontay Lawson and probably a big game from Caleb Downs too, at least in the defensive side. All right, if you have another couple of minutes, um, we're going to ask you to pick some games. It's not – we're going to give you the spread, the over-under. You don't have to pick that. It's just kind of a fun thing that we like to do with the guests on the show. Um, first game Absolutely. up, Florida State, two-and-a-half-point favorites going to the fake Death Valley in Clemson, over-under 55-and-a-half. What do you have on this one? Ooh, I think, uh, man, I, I know that they looked a little shaky against BC last week, but I'm going to take the Seminoles going to little old Clemson and knocking the big ACC bully off the block. I, I really like that Florida State team this year, man. They, they look explosive. They look, I mean, they look and play like an SEC team. Let's call it what it is. Um, Norvell's done a really good job mixing portal additions with strong recruiting. I, I like Florida State in that matchup. Next one. Ohio State is somehow a three-point favorite going to South Bend, playing Notre Dame over under 55 and a half. Ooh. Um, I, man, I, I'm, I'm going to sip the Notre Dame Kool-Aid here. I, I think there's a little too much that Ohio State hasn't solved yet, particularly on offense. I'm just not 100% sold. I think it'll be a close game because I think that Ohio State defense is really good, but I, I trust Sam Hartman to figure this out. And for Notre Dame to get a really – I mean, they got some other big games coming up later this season, but I think that's a monster win for Notre Dame on Saturday night over Ohio State. As a Georgia show, we have to ask this question. Georgia's 42-point favorites at home against the UAB <laughs> over under 54-and-a-half. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they'll cover because that's a tall ask and Trent Dilfer is the coach at UAB, but I, I think I – think I like Georgia in that matchup. <laughs> yeah, no, we're I think we're on the same page there. I personally do not take any spread that's over four possessions because you're just talking insanity there. But yeah, hey, Delfer said playing a night game in an SEC stadium was bigger than the Super Bowl. So no disrespect I, uh, toward the uh, the dogs in Athens. It, honestly, he might be right with that comment just because of how corporate the yeah. Super Bowl has become. You know, like, mm -hmm. I think I'd rather take a rowdy college crowd over, you know, $1,000 nosebleed seats that only the rich of the rich, rich people are going to buy anyway. Mm -hmm. um, he might be right there, but yeah, yeah no, I agree. Like, that that's a huge line. I don't know if I trust it. Yeah. Yeah, you're telling me I have the opportunity to watch some CEOs not pay attention to the game, or I can get 93,000 drunk people in a stadium at the same time. I'm taking 93,000 drunk people. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> All right. Last game. It's what we've been talking about so far. And just a little pre-story pre here. Since 1988, Ole Miss has only won twice in Tuscaloosa. 1988 and then 2015 with Swag Kelly and Hugh Freeze. Alabama has favored seven points at home over under 55 and a half. 
Oh, man. So this bit me in the butt against Texas. I, I thought Alabama would come out ready to go that game, and they did for about three quarters, and then just the wheels fell off. Um, I think I think they get the job done. I think it'll be somewhere in the ballpark of like 24-21 or 27-24, something goofy like that. But I think I think Saban rallies the troops. I think Milrow brings a little bit of juice. Um, I think he's learned his lesson after being put in timeout for the USF game. And, and I think Alabama comes out and gets this done and, and Lane Kiffin will have to tuck tail and find a new Taylor Swift song to tweet about. <laughs> I, uh, I, we want to thank you again for coming on and talking to us tonight. I think we both learned a lot. I know I'm personally um, questioning what I said, what I was thinking before the game. Or before mm-hmm. we came on and talked. Um, so once again, thank you for coming on and talking to us. If you want to plug your socials for the listeners, now's your time. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I know that sometimes when, you know, you ask open-ended questions and even when you ask closed questions, sometimes I can get on a ramble and just, you know, roll a little bit like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm on uh, Twitter or X or whatever the hell we call it now, just at Cody Goodwin. Um, you can read all of our stuff at Bama 247. We got a really good team doing some really good stuff there, uh, covering the Crimson Tide this season. So that's part of the 247 Sports Network. If you guys subscribe now, you get your first month for a dollar and then only $10 a month for every month thereafter. Um, you can do it for the Georgia website. You can do it for the Ole Miss website. You can do it for the Alabama website, whatever your team is. Um, but especially for those of you who are listening who are out Alabama fans, be sure to check out Bama 247. Um, and that's mostly it. So it's, I'm looking forward to a really fun game on Saturday. I appreciate you guys having me on just talking about it gets me kind of excited and amped. And, um, I think it'll be a good one in Tuscaloosa. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I think, I think we're excited as well. I'm sadly going to be on the road for most of the day, but I may have my wife drive so I can watch football on the phone. (laughs) It just means more. It just means everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right um i know you're driving so if you want to get out of here you are more than welcome to we're going to talk about some more games and uh and close it out here in a little bit we appreciate it yeah thanks man awesome yeah appreciate you guys having me thank you have a good hey. night yeah you too <sighs> i'm be honest man i'm really embarrassed that i zoned out for a minute i 100 percent thought you asked a question before no it's all good (laughs) and the thing is i have had maybe maybe one pour of liquor so it's not like i'm drunk i just (laughs) brain shut off and (laughs) and then it was like come back wrong wrong spot i'm i'm terribly embarrassed if i'm being 100 percent honest with you man no, I thought you were going with the Pete Golden question, so I was letting you roll. And then when I once I realized it wasn't, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, no, <laughs> but it's I, all good. Oh man, I don't, y'all. I can't even explain how embarrassed I am about that because that's not. I do my best to not be stupid. Um, I wouldn't feel too bad. Is. There, there was there was times I think at least two or three times where like you know I'll be reading the outline and I'll I'll see my name and they're like Mike. <laughs> the rest of it so you know whatever's on the teleprompter i'm just gonna oh. read them like ron burgundy in that in that sense but it's all good it's oh. late 
It is late. Um, all right. Um, so let's go ahead and get into this Georgia game. Um, as we talked about a minute ago, Georgia, 42-point favorites at home against UAB, over under 54 and a half. Um, look, guys, at this point, I don't I don't really think any of us have a reason to believe that Georgia's going to come out swinging mm-hmm. or swing, slinging the ball deep. I know we all want it. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I want it. Pretty sure if you listen to the show, you want Georgia to get 400 yards passing on eight plays. Like, I yeah. think that would just be awesome for everybody. I don't think it's going to happen. No. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, you want to know what's great about Georgia's lack of an explosive offense? Uh, lots of coaching moments or opportunities. Um, Yes, but UAB has played North Carolina A&T, Georgia Southern, and Louisiana Raging Cajun so far this season and have given up an average of 190 rushing yards per game. That means two things. Their defensive line, not great, giving up an average of 5.38 yards per carry, and their secondary has not been tested so far. Through three games, there have only been 80 attempted passes on this secondary through these three games. Mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia covers. I'm just throwing it out there. I go ahead and put it down in the dock. <laughs> so you're I taking just, UAB to cover. I'm taking UAB to cover because it's 42. I mean, the offense hasn't come close. Well, I guess they have, but like on a consistent basis, coming close to uh, scoring uh 42 points on their own. I mean, with the over-under being 54 and a half, I mean, it's kind of too full. Like, do you think Georgia's going to score close to 50 points? Because, like, defensively, they're probably not going to allow more than a touchdown. Yeah. So, that's that's true. really what it's come to. I, yeah. you know, I'm not touching the over-under. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this game's going to be quick. Start yeah. at 730. It'll be over before – it'll be over well before 1030. Because Georgia's gonna just gonna run the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, fun over under here. Uh, Twenty two passes attempted. Uh, for Georgia, yes. Uh, I'm gonna go over, but it's not gonna be significantly more than that. I mean, if he threw, if if Carson or you know any combination of the guys threw you know twenty three passes, I don't think that's really out of. That's not really too ridiculous, especially if they run the ball. You know, as much as we think they're going to do it, I'll, so I'll go over. I'd like to see that too, but I, I yeah, know we many. all would, but yeah. I mean, just so to emphasize how bad this UAB defensive line is, they have nine sacks this season. It's more than Georgia. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they got six of those sacks against FCS, not great team, North Carolina A and T. They have three sacks in their last two games in which they played Georgia Southern, who gives up a lot of sacks, mm-hmm. and Louisiana. So I think Georgia is going to attack the bejesus out of this defensive line. I mm-hmm. think this this is the game where the offensive line is going to look phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I think you, you and to. I could play offensive line in this game and look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I just – I think it's going to be quick. I think it's going to be – I'll even throw a score prediction out there. I'm going to say 
38-3. I'm not oh. I'm not officially taking the under. Mm-hmm. But I don't think 38-3 is out of the question. Just because I don't no. think there's going to be enough time to score points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, it's tough to get necessarily get up for this game. You know, considering, I mean, you know, again, the home schedule has not been great. It's tough to get up at 7.30 p.m. There's a problem. Yeah, no, that's fair. But, I mean, considering the opponent. Now, there was some rumblings, and we, you know, we always fall into this trap all the time about, like, black jerseys and stuff like that. But I think the equipment equipment team put out uh, an Instagram post with, like, some some song in the background or, like, you know, tagged in it with, like, I can't remember what one group it was, but, like, with black in the name. So, like, immediately everyone's like, oh, they're wearing black jerseys. all last season. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you've seen the new Spider-Man movie, Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the one with Tom Holland that came out last winter. Mm-hmm. What's the quote? If you never expect anything good, you'll never be disappointed. That's the point I'm at with the black jerseys. Just always have low expectations. Yeah, yeah. If no your expectations. expectations are low. It's hard to get under them. Yeah, it's a good point. That's the motto I've lived by my entire life. <laughs> But no, I'm 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 with you there with uh with UAB covering this again. Forty two points is a lot uh, for anyone to live by, uh, live by to win by, regardless of who you're playing. Over under, I'm not even confident with that either. I'm gonna leave that by itself. But again, I mean, I'm thinking like thirty one three. I mean, it's not. I'm sorry, thirty one seven. I think they'll end up scoring a touchdown in garbage time because that seems to be what ends up happening more often than not. So. Not official, not putting that in any graphic or anything like that, but just for just for gigs. Yeah, I man, I, I want to be wrong. So I want to be wrong so bad. I want this to be yes. a blowout and fun to watch, and what we've ex- come to expect the last uh, last. Give me two years. Stetson versus UAB two years ago. Yes, mm-hmm. like I'm give curious. me two play touchdown drives. Mm-hmm. Do it. it. Oh my God. Inject it into my veins. Mm-hmm. Like I I try my best to be right about most of my picks. When it comes to Georgia not covering 42 and saying they hit the under unofficially, mm-hmm. I want to be dead wrong. Yeah. I would take no greater joy than to be wrong on that. I'm with yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Now I'm, I think Lincoln's over his uh, his love of UAB because he hasn't really mentioned them lately as a destination to play after his uh, his Pee Wee career is over. Is he uh, is he still on a Cincinnati Bengals love? No, he. I mean, okay. he's still he's all he's all Packers. He's just doing that to troll us in that uh, Rams uh, uh, Bengals Super Bowl. I think, I... although he did cry in the whole way home after the Bengals <laughs> loss of a team he didn't know anything about going into that game. Um, well, if he's a Packers fan, he wasn't very happy when they lost by one point to the no. uh, Falcons last week. Yeah, Detroit will avenge the Packers, show them how, uh, hopefully, I don't know. Detroit has a lot of injuries, but that's that's the topic for another another day. All right, next game, Florida State, two-and-a-half-point favorite, going to the fake Death Valley, Clemson, over under 55-and-a-half. Fun fact here, the first time – this game is the first time Clemson has been a home dog since Lamar Jackson came into the fake Death Valley in 2016. Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. 
It's been a long time since Clemson's been a home dog. They did end up winning that game against Lamar Jackson in an overtime thriller. Mm-hmm. Might have been into regular time. It was it was a late, late win for Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week, Florida State was in a battle with the same Boston College team that lost to Holy Cross two weeks ago. While Clemson, on the other hand, has beaten the teams not named Duke this season by an average of 41.5 points. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I do not have any faith in this Clemson team versus real opponents. But last week, Florida State gave me a reason to question if they'll run away with this game like I had thought two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to look at statistically take out quality of opponent, Clemson should be favored to win this game. They have a better total defense, better rushing offense, better rushing defense, better red zone defense. But these two teams are actually tied in turnover margin. Shockingly, Ooh. considering how many times Cade Klubnick has turned the ball over this season. Mm-hmm. With all of that said, and disagreeing with all of the guys on Tybee, especially, uh, especially my buddy Frank, who I spent a lot of time today talking about this with. I'm not putting money on this game. I think Florida State wins by a lot. Ooh, I just okay. – I have no reason. Clemson has given me no reason this season to believe that they can hang with the same team that made Florida State – or that made LSU look stupid. Mm-hmm. They made LSU look like they were a Division II team in that second half. Yeah. And I think Florida State's going to play up to Clemson or play above Clemson this week mm-hmm. and get a big win. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, um, As much as I don't want to agree on everything, I think we're going to have the same point of view on a lot of this. I'm I'm on the, uh, the Florida State bandwagon. I don't know if they'll necessarily blow them out, um, but I mean, I – you know, just getting two and a half just for a Florida State to win by a field goal, I think is definitely you know, a good a good play there. Like I said, I probably wouldn't put money on this because, again, I could see Clemson, you know, pulling off an upset, not necessarily blowing them out. But, um, I mean, they could win. Of course, it's in, it's in Death Valley. But with uh, Florida State, how well they've been playing, two and a half is not that big of a number for them to, to win by, you know, just win by a field goal. So I'm going to go with Florida State there. Not feeling confident about the over-under on that. Um, no. Considering how bad the offensive line is for Clemson, I, I don't think Florida State's going to put up, you know, 38 or anything like that. And and so, I don't know, it's tough. But um, I'm going to I'm gonna leave the over-under by itself and just take Florida State and minus two and a half. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100% on the over-under. I am – I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, no, you know either – Either side wouldn't surprise me. I said either side wouldn't wouldn't surprise me in the least if it's you know like a you know a game in like you know twenty one seventeen type deal or you know it was you know way over like you know you know thirty five thirty eight or something like that. Like I mean, either one's in play now. The the latter is probably not as likely, but I mean, if it if it were to happen, why not? I mean that that would be a win for everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, it's wild how much things can change in just a few weeks. Because if I had told you right after that LSU Florida State game that one of the teams in this game were not going to be ranked, 
you'd have called me a liar. Right. And, and, you know, even though Clemson is two and one right now, the fact that they've dropped all the way out of the rankings is just insane. They, they, they should be ranked. I mean, even if it is like, you know, 20, you know, 20 to 25, like, I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't know. I, they're not, I don't, I don't think they're as bad as like someone like Iowa. Like I'm not, I mean, I know Iowa's defense, you know, okay. Statistically is good, Iowa but, should not be ranked. No, that's like period. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But I also don't think Clemson's earned to be ranked right now. I mean, between yeah. how poorly Kate Budnick played, the offensive line is as porous as a pumice stone. Mm-hmm. And he's had two or three pick sixes on the season and more interceptions. I mean, he threw a pick six in the what the first quarter against Charleston Southern. Yeah, that was tough. That's... Yeah, there was a time where we were saying Charleston Southern might be the best team in South Carolina. Some people are saying. Mm-hmm. Some are saying maybe not. Maybe not anymore because that ended up being a blowout. But for a brief time, they were. Hmm. All right, Ole Miss or Ole Miss, as Ole Mike Miss. likes to call them, um, at Alabama. Alabama is still a seven-point favorite, over under fifty-five and a half. A lot of triple fives in these over unders this week. Tri- triples are better. Uh, I mean, Georgia's fifty-four and a half. Florida State's fifty-five and a half. Ole Miss fifty-five and a half. Ohio State Notre Dame fifty-five and a half. Vegas, do you do you have a problem? Yeah, and I checked this um like this morning too, and like it hadn't changed like very much. I think there might have been a point difference in, in one of them, but like it's all been the same all week. That's wild. Um or with Bet US. I don't know about other sports books, but but the only one worthwhile hasn't changed very much. Correct. So to me. This game entirely comes down to how well Jalen Milrow plays. If we see explosive Jalen Milrow like we saw during the Middle Tennessee game, at times during the Texas game, I think this is a close game. Mm -hmm. I, you know, even though I wouldn't call him good, he is by far their best option. He is light years ahead of the other two guys for what the rest of that team is. If you give me a good offensive line, mm-hmm. I would. I think Ty Simpson's a better long-term option, but considering <laughs> what they have, Jalen Milrow is absolutely the answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think Nick Saban wants to make a statement with how poorly the entire team played last week. I mean, the defense did well. They still gave up some points to uh, USF. But the problem is Ole Miss has only played poorly for two quarters of the entire season so far, and that's in a game that they still won by two possessions. Yep. I don't really think that the environment of Bryant-Denny Stadium will have a huge effect on this game. I – you know, they've already been in a tough road environment this year, and you can say that Tulane wasn't a tough road environment, but when when the commentators are having to raise their voice over the crowd noise, that's loud. Mm-hmm. I don't care how big the stadium is. Hell, 
an 11 a.m. kickoff in New Orleans, you're probably getting people that are still drunk from last night walking from <laughs> Bourbon Street to the stadium. Right. They haven't stopped drinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. if I went to a two-leg game at 11 a.m., that's exactly what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think Ole Miss not only covers, I think they win. Outright. Outright. Ooh. So you can put me down for Ole Miss cover, Ole Miss money line. I'm not touching the over-under because the last time I did that on an Alabama game, I lost mm-hmm. by not a lot, and it kind of pissed me off. Yeah. All right, so – I'm with you on the Ole Miss covering this game. Again, seven points. Even I, I do think they're going to win. I'm not going to say it officially because I don't know why I want to be a little bit different. Oh, uh, uh, don't be. Don't don't be. Don't be a little baby. Little baby? Um, if you think it, say it. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Let's I'll go, go. I'll go money line too. Why not? Let's you know what? go. I mean, we're, again, red solo cups, pastel colors all the way to Atlanta for the rematch, Ole Miss and Georgia in the SEC championship. dust them Sperry's off, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to get my Bamba bangs going. Um, it's going to look like a, you know, a lollipop that you drop behind the seat and has hair all, <laughs> you know, stray hairs all over it. But I'm going to do it. I'm ready. Put my visor, too. Good to go. But, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Ole Miss uh, spread and money line there. And you know what? I'm gonna go over too, over that 55 and a half. It's gonna. I think Bama's gonna score, um, as well. I mean, Jalen Milrow again for all the faults that we talked about with Cody, um, Boomer Bust. Like he, I like it. What he said better. Home, it's all home runs or strikeouts. Um, you know, he can hit the deep ball. We we obviously saw that against Ole Miss and uh, not Ole Miss against uh, Texas and uh, Middle Tennessee State, and he'll be able to do that. He'll be able. He'll get his in this game, but. Um, I again, I think uh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is going to be too much for them. So, again, Ole Miss covers, win outright over that 55 and a half. It's going to be a, it's going to be a party. Celebrate Swag Kelly just like how uh, he would have wanted. Love it. Let's go. Yeah. Right. Next game we're talking about that's Ohio State, who, like I said earlier, somehow, some way, are three-point favorites in South Bend at Notre Dame over under 55 and a half. So Notre Dame has played better competition this season with playing Navy and NC State in the first two weeks of the season and looking like contenders, blowing both of those teams out, while Ohio State has played the powerhouses of Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky, and only really looking decent against Western Kentucky. Um, the offense, uh, not not put together. I It's odd the parallels that you can draw between Ohio State and Georgia so far into the season, mm-hmm. uh, as much as I think we all hate to admit that. Yeah. And even in the Western Kentucky game, Ohio State relied almost entirely on Marvin Harrison Jr., who had almost 200 uh, receiving yards during the game. Notre Dame, on the other hand, third in passing yards allowed, which kind of skewed by the triple option Navy team in week zero. But if you were to take that game out, they would still have an average that puts them at 11 in passing defense for yards per game allowed. Mm -hmm. I will say if you like 
passing. If you like joyful football, don't watch this game. It's this is going to be a juggernaut matchup almost entirely on the ground. Um, I will say that I do like that this game is at Notre Dame. I think that, that it gives them an edge as long as they learn from previous games and actually fill up their own stadium and don't sell the tickets to other people. Yeah. I have little to no faith in Kyle McCord against a good team because he hasn't played one yet and he only looked good in one of the games. Yeah. But I have all the faith in Sam Hartman. I yes. do not understand how anybody could doubt Sam Hartman at this point. So give me Notre Dame to cover and win. Put me on the line Ooh. for the money line, for the cover, and – you know, that's so Raven moment here. <laughs> Notre Dame and Ohio State switch spots in the top ten to move up to number six after beating Ohio State. Ooh, I love it. Love it. Um, so I'm I'm again gonna agree with you on that. I'm gonna take Notre Dame. It's about time they win a big game in uh, in South Bend. I think even I think the last like really, really big game they had at home was in uh, 2020 against Clemson, uh, DJ Uyunglele. 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 DJ, who's doing pretty well out there at uh, Oregon State. But, um, again, names aren't really my thing. I, I struggle. I'm just – call me Gary. I was about uh, to say it. <laughs> both uh, – again, as as, uh, as we've recently learned, you know, both Midwest guys and both can't say names. Can't pronounce it. <laughs> Um, Wait, I've never seen you and Gary Danielson in the same room. Are you the same person? I, I no comments. Oh no, same thing. Yeah, man. I don't know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Notre Dame there. I mean, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go money line too. Why the hell not? And, so if um, we're wrong this week, we are wrong. We're together. all the same records. Does it make? Does it make my job easier putting uh, putting it together? Not that it was that hard, but um, yeah, I'll go money line there. But you know what? I'm gonna add in my. I'm gonna I'm gonna add in the over there as well because I I want to see high scoring. Marvin Harrison being healthy will be will be something as as a Ohio State's athletic director said. I think yesterday that if they would have let him play, they would have won. Which again, 267 days later, or whatever, they're still bitching about that game. You can't win this year if you're still talking about how you could have won last year, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know they can't win this year with McCord at quarterback. Because they're going to lose in Notre Dame and just and screw up any chance they have of making it back to the playoff. Because they're going to lose, especially when they repeat a loss to Michigan. Yeah, no two lost teams ever made the playoff. Mm-hmm. If there, if there's an, if there's a team, it could be them. But with the, with the losses that they'll end up having, there's no way. No way. No way. All right, now we're moving on to another team that I think could make the playoff this year. And it is the home team in this Cal at Washington, who are 21-point favorites, over-under set at 59.5. And And I didn't do a stat deep dive on this one. I didn't even do a shallow dive. If I'm being honest, I didn't scratch the surface because I don't (laughs) care. Washington money line, with how bad Cal is, go ahead and give me me the spread. Okay. Give me Washington spread. 
If you aren't a believer in the Huskies yet, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Best team in the Pac-12. They're winning the Pac-12 in its last year of existence. Put me down for it. You could say that they should be a top, I mean, easily a top five team. I think they're ranked way Absolutely. too low in the AP. Absolutely. Argue, I do. You could you could argue top three, and I wouldn't be mad. I you know, I think this isn't even a game we're talking about just because, you know, we're kind of running out of time here. But yeah. if Oregon blows out Colorado this weekend, top five? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, are you talking about Oregon? Yeah. Uh what 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 are they? They're tenth right now, right? Um, I'm not. I think they're tenth. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. They would have a blowout win against a ranked opponent. They're currently tenth. Mm-hmm. If they have a twenty-one plus point win against Colorado, who's everybody's darling right now, yeah, they would have a twenty-one point win over the number nineteen team in the country. But they they don't have Travis Hunter. They don't have Travis Hunter, but the AP poll typically doesn't really give much of a grace for injuries. That's fair. I don't know. That's a big jump. Well, I guess it depends on who loses in front of them, right? I mean, if Florida State loses, that that definitely leaves room in the top five. Not that we think that's going to happen, but... No. No, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. But I think it would be very interesting, especially considering that Cal and Oregon do play this year and it's all going to play itself out on the field. Yeah, definitely. All right, so your bandwagon team. Oh, God. Okay, so <laughs> Texas Texas Tech, six, uh, a six-point favorite at West Virginia. And, again, I didn't really do too deep of a dive on this because West Virginia did pull out a uh, – a, a decent, I mean, a decent win against Pitt. I mean, Pitt's not very good either, but uh, they did. Pit. Yeah, each should Pitt. Um, but again, Texas Tech a six point favorite. Again, it's not out of the, it's not out of the like a possibility out of the realm of possibility that they win by you know a blowout. So again, even six seems a little bit low. Again, I know they're going to Morgantown. Um, they're going to cue Country Roads as much as they can because that's really all they have going for them. But I'm going to go with Texas Tech there. I think they get right, win a Big 12 game, and uh, you know, get, you know, the right the ship and get ready to play Texas in the uh, the Big 12 championship as long as they, you know, kind of keep it how I perceive them to be going into this season. So, again, give me give me Texas Tech, that minus six. All right. We're about to dive into best bets here, and, Mike, you go first. All right. So – my first one, and this is the best I think I felt about anything that we've done so far through four weeks. Uh, Maryland's an eight-point favorite going to East Lansing to, uh, to face the formerly led by Mel Tucker, Michigan State Spartans. And I a lot of the vibes that I get just from around the program, just listening to alums talking about Michigan State, just, just kind of eyeballing, just kind of listening to what happened. Um, on Peacock when Washington just destroyed Michigan State last week. Because I think Michigan State quit. And it's yeah. giving a lot of vibes similar to Bobby Petrino's last year at Louisville, 
when they were just getting just dismantled. Nobody wanted to be there. Bobby lost the locker room, all that. Um, and Michigan State wasn't going to be very good anyway, but just like not having any direction at all. And these guys, there's nobody on staff worth a damn. I mean, Mark Antonio's, you know, corpse is still kind of lingering over there. But, um, you know, even at the end, he sucked. And there's just not talent on this team. There's nothing like, again, um, if, you know, if, uh, if Tucker would have, you know, you know, not been on the phone and done all the things that he did, uh, you know, still be making that money and he better give Kenneth Walker a big percentage of that. Cause he is Kenneth Walker is the only reason why he got that extension, that Jimbo esque um, extension there. But again, like I said, Maryland uh, covers, um, you know, the eight point spread, they're going to win by a thousand. It's going to be ridiculous. So off the wall, wild question. Is there any chance that Michigan State goes after Dion at Colorado like they did Mel Tucker? It's a pipeline, right? It's a pipeline. <laughs> I will say I'd much rather live in Boulder than East Lansing. but Oh, yeah. yeah. No amount, yeah. I keep saying no amount of money. No, there's, there's everybody has a number, but – he's got too good of a thing going um, at Colorado, at least at this time, Michigan state is probably at best, like the sixth best big 10 job there. It's the second best big 10 job in the state. Um, So he has that going for him. Honestly, what I think would be more likely is that uh, they would go after, uh, go after urban Meyer. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, I I know as as toxic as that's going to be, I may have mentioned this last week, um, he's. I mean, he's I just obviously got depressed could, thinking about it. I mean, it, it would go along with everything because obviously, you know, I hate Florida. He coached in Florida. I hate Ohio State. He went to Ohio State. Why not go to uh, Michigan's little brother and you know piss me off there? So, I mean, I could see you that heard would it be here one of the first. Few. Urban Meyer actually just hates Mike. I think that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. I didn't do anything to him. I mean, he's from Toledo originally so i don't know maybe just i don't know he just hates life he's from ohio that's fair that's 100 percent. he's just a miserable miserable person um and i just yeah i i mean the feelings mutual i hate him as well but if he were to go somewhere anywhere if michigan state was desperate enough and apparently they don't care about <laughs> you know morals, morals or anything or like that they they took forever with the nasser thing and all that so i mean if they want to win I mean, Urban Meyer's probably that's probably one of the few jobs that would actually, you know, take him. So I'm 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 waiting for that call. It's either gonna be him or Narduzzi from my pit. And Narduzzi doesn't scare anybody. He sucks there too. So anyway, yeah, Maryland. Take it. Whatever the number is, take it. All right. Next game. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Okay. Sorry. All right. What do you have next? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, my bad. All right. So, um, all right. So I got got a few more here. So Arkansas at LSU. LSU is a seventeen and a half point favorite. Again, didn't dig like super super deep into this. I know that um, Arkansas choked against uh, BYU. This the uh, the fighting super soakers out there from uh, from Provo, and I mean obviously LSU just kicked the shit out of Miss, uh, Mississippi State last week. And I think they they keep that going because again Arkansas has 
struggled mightily against, you know, even, you know, teams with like half a pulse. I mean, they haven't looked like that, that great this year. 17 and a half. It's in, it's in the real death Valley. I'm going with LSU to cover that 17 and a half. We still love you, Sam Pittman. We do come, come home. We, we, Oh my God. I know he's not going to, cause he's going to retire. This, this is his last job is early. So he says um, at Arkansas, he's going to retire out there in the Ozarks, but come home, Sam. We, we miss you. Athens needs you. We miss you, Sam. We miss you. Um. All right. So, um. All right. So then, going from there, uh, BYU at Kansas. You know, speaking of the uh, the Super Soakers, there. Um. I'm taking the over 55 for that game. Oops. Um. And taking the over 55. Sorry, I messed up my doc there. I'm um, taking the over 55 for that game. Both teams have been proven to be able to score. Obviously, BYU again last week against Arkansas. And then I just I keep throwing it back to Kansas against Arkansas last, uh, you know, in the uh, Liberty Bowl last year, where it was like over 100 total points between the two of them. And even, you know, Kansas put up a, a, a pretty good score against Illinois, which, again, isn't the same defense they had last year, but not, you know, still not too shabby as well. But I'm going to go the uh, the over 55 for that game. And you know what? I mean, while while I'm just throwing all these games out here, just real quick, uh, UNC, so North Carolina is going to pit. Uh, the over under is 55 and a half. I'm sorry, 50 and a half. I'm taking the over on that. Again, UNC Ooh, is going to. That's a good call. Yeah, that I, I was kind of iffy about it for a little bit, but 50 and a half is not, again, UNC can cover that on their own with yeah. uh, with Drake May and, and that offense playing, playing pissed off. Um, but yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the over on that uh, for sure. I think it's a 21 point spread, which again, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to go that far because again, I, I don't want to pay too much attention to it. But UNC, I feel good about that going. Or the team, but the total for both teams going over 50 and a half. If I'm, I, you know I'm what, mad I'm, you got to the dock first because you took this game from me that you're about to talk about. I and I was I was iffy about it, but like the last like you know right before we got on, I'm like you know what I'm gonna go with it. So North Carolina State. Oh, I was talking about the Iowa Penn State. Oh, you can have that one. I'm not sure about that one anymore. Oh, that's mine. Okay. <laughs> Iowa All right. Covers um, and then the other one. Have... Penn State covers 14 and a half at Iowa. Penn State has won me money every week of the season. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I'm not a believer in James Franklin, but I'm I'm not a believer in anything about Iowa. I think it's just at 14 now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just pulled it up a second ago. Um, no, it's still 14 and a half. Okay. All right. So you're taking taking Penn State. Yep. Minus 14.5. All right. Got oh, it. so the um, real quick, the other one I was gonna take, and again, not gonna dive too deep into it. NC State, nine and a half point favorites at UVA at the University of Virginia. Um, they suck. Um, yep. I mean, they're the wor- the worst team in FBS. Worst, uh, it's certainly the worst uh, f- power five team, at, at the very least. And NC State, they've had they've had some blowouts, had some close games. Um, I think I had it written down here too. Um, yeah, um, I'm, it's more so about UVA. UVA got blown out by 28 points and 36 points against power five competition, then lost to James Madison by one point, 36 to 35. Um, NC State, obviously, they did lose to to uh to uh, Notre Dame in like that, you know, the really bad weather game. Cause every time Notre Dame plays in Raleigh, it's just the worst weather imaginable. 
The game where NC State's brand new scoreboard got struck by lightning and blew out. (laughs) That that seems about right. That's that's awful. I can't even imagine for first big game and just ruin it. Because like I mean, all these teams are making new. Like Michigan got a brand new scoreboard or two. Luckily, that didn't happen for them. But I am taking NC State to cover that nine and a half because again, it's more so not so much a uh, North Carolina State. Um commentary as it is just how bad virginia sucks all right so we're gonna move into my picks um i keep telling myself i'm not gonna pick as many and then i keep picking as many so it's 100 <laughs> my fault um but i'm trying to run through these pretty quick i have wisconsin minus five at purdue the age of the spoiler makers is over i was right last week with saying that syracuse would cover and I'm right by saying the Badgers are covering the less than a touchdown spread. Purdue is tied for 60th in the country in turnovers, while Wisconsin is tied for 25th in turnovers gained. I think Purdue loses by two possessions here. I don't understand the five points. It must know something. Is that I? Because I, I thought about that one as well, and that just scared me off. I'm like, like you said, like immediately, like oh, Wisconsin's gonna win by two possessions easily, and. For that to be that low, some, something's off. I think I think everybody just remembers what Purdue did a few years ago and doesn't remember that they have a different coach. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just even the first half Wisconsin had against Georgia Southern where they were tied and then they went down by seven early in that early in the second half. I, yeah, I don't be wrong. I wouldn't touch a first half line. But oh, God, no. no. Give me the dairy raid offense against mm-hmm. this Purdue team. Next I've got up, Georgia Tech going two play the Demon Deacons at Wake Forest. I'm taking the over 60 here, and this is just based on straight math. Georgia Tech has averaged 35 points per game this season, and Wake Forest has averaged 33.3333333. Neither team has a great defense, but both teams have competent offenses over 60. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Next one – and I am actually very glad that this line dropped between when we wrote this and today. Army going to Syracuse. I'm taking the over 49 and a half. Ooh, it went that much? Oh, yeah. It's dropped, what, three points mm-hmm. in the last couple of days? Um, so I really like it now that it's 49 and a half. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I have a ton of confidence in the Syracuse offense and a decent amount of confidence in Army's new look, more pass-happy offense. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the Army's going to throw 300 yards, but I think they have enough of a passing game to score, and I think Syracuse is definitely good enough to put up at least 35. Yeah, I like I like that too. Adino Babers, shout out him. I mean, Army gave up 39 points to UTSA with – almost no returning production on offense from last season. And then Mm -hmm. you're telling me I can get Syracuse that has a very high returning offensive production against that same Army team, Mm -hmm. and you're only saying 49 and a half? Over. All day. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Last game is Mississippi State going to Columbia, South Carolina six-and-a-half-point favorites. And it was made very apparent last week that uh, Mississippi State's new offense just doesn't really work with the pieces they have on that team. Put that together with the Rattler-Leggett connection. 
and it's in williams Bryce Stadium. I think South Carolina wins by more than six and a half over here on this one. All right. Um, so we are going to do the uh, calling the dog segment here. I've got to um, I've got to change a setting real quick and then we will get the calling the dogs going. All right. So it'll be in the podcast. It'll be in the YouTube, but Mike cannot hear it. So I'll have to let him know when, uh, when we're done here, but this is week four's calling the dogs. Once again, thank you to Caleb Tillman. And if you would like to put yourself in to the Calling the Dog segment, we are playing every voicemail we get, and that is 678-465-8020. Give us your best WWE promo. Give us your best trash talk. And if you're drunk and obnoxious, like we hope you are after the game, call us, and if you're funny, it'll make it on the recap show. But here is Caleb Tillman's week four Calling the Dogs. All right, everyone, this Saturday, it is the big one, prime time in Stanford Stadium. The University of Alabama comes to Georgia. So, Nick Saban, I hope you're ready. Hey, Gavroni, don't interrupt me while I'm cutting the promo. I hope you're ready. What did you just say? What? Like the game is in Birmingham? Oh. Oh, well, apparently we're, we're, we're playing the University of Alabama at Birmingham. The Blazers. All right, well, shifting gears, I grew up in a small town just outside of Valdosta, Georgia. Valdosta, Georgia, the home of the greatest college football team to call themselves the Blazers, the Valdosta State Blazers. And you want to know why they're the greatest team to call themselves the Blazers? Because, number one, they've actually managed to win national championships. Two, they once had the great Kirby Smart on their staff. And three, and most importantly, they've never had to shut down their football program for a couple of years because they sucked so much. And, Mike, I know your son once told me that he was one day going to play for UAB and he was going to beat Georgia while he was there. But guess what? He ain't there now. So, dogs all day, baby. Um, You may want to show Lincoln the Calling the Dog segment because he did get called out. Um, oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, for saying that he was going to beat Georgia while he played for UAB. History is not on his side. Nope. Can't say it is. Nope. <laughs> Can't say it is. Um, Before we close out here tonight, as always, we're going to remind you, Instagram at nothing.finder.pod, Twitter at finderpod. Check both of those locations for our ASW giveaway this month. Um, Don't do threads. It's a barren wasteland. There's nothing there. Like someone like Barrett Salee has like two likes on something that he like broke when when I just got on there earlier. It was bad. Yeah, I, you know... Can't blame him for trying, but not great. I I was the one I was the lone comment on there from uh from our from our page that said, "Brother, this this place is dead. Don't bother <laughs> anymore." <laughs> oh, um, Facebook and YouTube search us there. This episode will be going up on Facebook or YouTube, not Facebook. I don't think anybody would listen to a whole podcast on Facebook. Um. Rate and review the show five stars. Send us a screenshot. We'll send you a sticker. If you'd like to reach out to us via email, 
Um, say you don't have social media, but you found out about us somehow. That is nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. And as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. And a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullard. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.